Hey everyone, um, this is Caitlin, and you're listening to Invisible Illness. So, I really guess how this works, right, is that <laughs> you pretty much just talk about what you're feeling and what, like, what other people want to hear, and honestly, my whole existence on social media people are like oh talk about you know confidence talk about you know self-harm talk about um invisible illness and things of that nature and like none of the other ones really felt i would say right in the sense that i wasn't as passionate about anything as much as i was passionate about um having an invisible illness and dealing with invisible illness and you guys are just gonna, <laughs> I guess, listen to my opinion and my um, my take on invisible illness, having an invisible illness, how to deal with it, what it means, um, and really trying to understand, you know, what everyone is going through and what you might not be able to see um, that's going on the inside of someone's life. And um, the pauses I will be having are for my coffee, so um, I apologize for that in advance. But what I honestly want to talk about is first off, like right off the bat, um, I have two invisible illnesses that a lot of people don't really know about, or when they when they hear about them, they don't understand the severity and or the um, extensive. <clears throat> the extensiveness to the situation and what it can do to some people. Um, so first off, I have a heart condition called HOCA. It's uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy obstruction. Um, and what that means is that um, my heart is too thick and when your heart muscles are too thick, um, it is difficult for blood to flow through the aortic valves, um, top and bottom valves, depending on, you know, where your obstruction sits. It could be on the top left side, top right side, or the bottom. Um, it's just all based on your genetics and how your body is built. But um, that one isn't as scary to me, I guess, <laughs> um, in the sense that I've overcome being afraid of having an invisible illness and trying to have people understand what it's like to live my day um, by day life in knowing that I can't do the things that I love and I can't do the things that I know to be true and things that I'm passionate about. So that one I kind of, I've, I've gotten over. I've had it since I was 16. I was diagnosed when I was 16. Um, it's something I'm able to cope with. It's something I'm able to take medication for and deal with. And um, as of recently, because my life is just a quite interesting um, little array of <laughs> the most mind-blowing fucking things that can happen to anybody. Um, I was diagnosed with um, systematic lupus or um, just lupus in general. 
And a lot of people, you know, they hear the word lupus and they're like, oh, I can catch that, right? Like that sounds like, you know, the flu or strep or mono or herpes. Like that's just like what people tell me when I'm like, yeah, I have lupus. They're like, ew, don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> um, no, you can't catch lupus. Um, it's really weird lupus, I would say. is like one of the weirdest um, conditions that I think a lot of people have. They don't talk about it. And... Um, when they do have it, they, they don't really want to tell people because they're afraid of like how they're going to judge them based on the things that they can and cannot do anymore. Um, and sometimes you can tell if someone has lupus, and I'm not saying go out and look for people <laughs> that have lupus and be like, hey, do you have this like freaking invisible disease or whatever? Um, heard it on a podcast, but no. Um, I was diagnosed with non-genetic forming lupus and that is like the scariest type of lupus in my opinion because there's there's pros and cons to it in the sense that if I ever have children I'm not going to pass it on to them which is makes me so grateful that honestly I have this form of of this um this disease and not another and I'm getting Casey um nice deck <laughs> um, notifications as I'm listening to this um, and as I'm talking, but I have um, me medication-induced lupus, and it's hard to understand and to grasp and to comprehend medication-induced lupus, but just like it is in the name, um, I got lupus from medication, and that is something that is still being tested by you know science and by doctors and by the medical field and things of that nature because a lot of people in the medical field don't understand lupus and no one knows how to properly treat it and that is the most terrifying thing that I have ever been told is that you know we don't understand a lot about lupus um and we don't know how to treat it but we're gonna try and help you so that is just heavy <laughs> And um, you hear me laugh and like joke about a lot of my medical issues. And as I sit right here right now, um, I'm sitting next to my at-home Boston Scientific heart device with a halter monitor on and like like a, a freaking um, IV in my arm. And um, I laugh at that because it's just like you can't even start to comprehend like what that even feels like or what that what that should feel like. You know, people are like, oh, if you're sick, you're like, you must be so sad. Or like, oh, you have this disease, you must be so upset. Like, I am honestly not even mad about it. I'm not upset and I'm not angry because if it wasn't me that had it, I feel like someone else might be a lot more let down and a lot more less upbeat than, than I am about really anything that happens to me, which is what it is. But... Um, medication-induced lupus, um, they don't know where it exactly comes from, what medications you take, and what my, um, many, many specialist doctors say, um, is that it probably came from a overdose of antibiotics, which is really crazy because I always would get sick. I'd always be sick, and it would always be, like, a sinus infection, ear infection, like, bladder infection, like lungs, like anything that could get infected, I would have, and I would have to be put on antibiotics. And as of recently, like in the, uh, a couple months ago, I 
in one month was just like bombarded by my body like not being able to cope with all of these infections and I had been put on nine different antibiotics within the span of a month in like five days and your body isn't capable of handling that because as some people know antibiotics you know like <laughs> genes mutate and it like bacteria mutates and it forms in different ways so that your body like sometimes can't fight it off and <clears throat> that's one of the reasons I have a really low voice I have a really like raspy voice because um last year I had um uncontrollable what is it called uncontrollable strep cysts which means that my 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 antibiotics couldn't keep up with the infection that was in my throat so it just um tore apart the insides of my throat and left me scarred with holes in the inside of my neck. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of cool to show at parties to be like, hey, check this out. But um, yeah, no, that that was pretty gnarly. But um, I'm still learning how to cope with lupus and how to deal with it because um, it makes me pass out a lot, which is really gnarly because it's your immune system trying to fight off all of these things in your body that aren't bad, but your body is telling them that they're that they're not supposed to be there. Um, and it's currently attacking my lungs, and it's currently attacking my brain, and it's currently attacking my heart, because my heart is the weakest thing in my body currently as of, you know, just having the, um, the hokum. And um, <clears throat> it's just like, you know, people can live with lupus, of course, and, you know, it's very hard to... Um, not very hard, but it's it's very rare to die because of lupus. Um, you usually die with something based off of lupus, and you have like a long lifespan and this, this, and that. But then when you're being told like all these things, and then they go, oh, you have hokum, right? Oh, you have this too. Well, that lowers your chances of your lifespan and how long that you're going to be able to cope and handle this because it's going to kill you. So, <laughs> um. I've kind of gotten over that pretty death positive at this point, which is crazy because <laughs> um, me as a person, if anybody knows me, I just, I try to live every, every, every single day. Like I'm not going to wake up tomorrow. And with that being said, I'm always trying to do something or like meditately, meditately i'm always trying to meditate and think and like understand like everybody else's feelings and like distance myself from my own so that i'm capable of helping other people cope with what i'm dealing with because i'm capable of doing it on my own completely like fine i've dealt with it i've dealt with you know disease and death my whole life and i've dealt with being in the hospital all the time and not knowing what's gonna go on next and all that kind of stuff um so, I mean, invisible illness is inevitable. <laughs> My neighbors are so loud. But uh, it's inevitable, and you either deal with it or you rock the boat and you sink. And um, if you can't deal with it, then you're never going to be happy in the life that you live. And my goal in life is to be happy in the life that I have, because if you're not, then why are you living? In all honesty. Um, huh. <laughs> but it's just like I still ponder on the like on the concept of having 
six specialist doctors like like as if like I'm some kind of special person like it doesn't like make me feel that way but then people are like wow you must be really special I'm like no I'm dying but thanks <laughs> um but I was I looked up to this girl and she was a youtuber and gosh I wish I remembered her name but she reminded me of one of my friends that died um recently and this girl on YouTube she had cystic fibrosis and she was 18 years old my friend she died when she was um 20 years old and of cystic fibrosis and she just like this girl she just had like this light in her and she was just so passionate about living every day to be like the happiest day that she could have and just like doing everything that she could to make sure that she was happy in the life that she was given instead of you know moping around and being upset about it not saying that i haven't moped around and i've been upset but i definitely have and you know finding a positive influence when you have something so serious or when you're dealing with something so serious or you're involving other people in what you're going through because you know I have family and I have friends that like care about what's going on but you know I want to do it on my own I want to I want to be by myself and in, in this just so other people aren't stressed with what I'm dealing with on the inside of my body that they can see only on the outside through doctors and medication and things of that nature but um, a couple ways that they treat lupus um, is you know low levels of chemo steroids um, sometimes blood transfusions and that like kind of seems like the road I'm on right now like what the doctors are really thinking based on my blood count and so on and so forth and um I never knew like how intense like blood transfusions have to be and like how regulated they are and like how much blood you need and like it's just crazy to me because like I would need 12 people to donate my blood type to me or an RH um an RH um compatible blood type and that's just like so mind-blowing like I used to donate blood in high school before I even knew that I had like anything wrong with me and I always was like wow like I hope this like one liter of blood like helps somebody out so I do like double transfusions all the time because I'm like I feel like one is never going to be enough and like I, I never knew that like you need so many just to help one person and like that's so mind-blowing and that's so crazy how like so many of us you know it takes to help one person and it might not even work and that's like that's really heavy to me <laughs> um you guys are probably gonna hear me doing like weird little things in the background i'm just like cleaning my face <laughs> and um probably gonna drink some coffee my makeup or something but um i guess like on a real note i never thought that i would ever have to get surgery for any of my um, invisible conditions or diseases or whatever you want to call them. Um, but with my Hoka, I had a heart attack. 19 years old, I had a heart attack um, December 2017. And I did not think that I would ever get to that point in my life. I thought like, oh, the doctor said it's not that bad. Like the obstruction isn't that bad. Like it's not even there yet blah 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 and you know I black out at work and all I remember is being rushed in an ambulance and sitting in a hallway for 10 hours after having a heart attack and then waking up to 
entire cardiology team and a plastic surgeon team and all these people telling me like, hey, um, you're going to get this surgery and we don't know if you can understand us because you're on a lot of medication. You're kind of sleeping, um, but we're going to cut you open and um, you have to do it because if you don't, you're going to die. <laughs> and um, I guess I, I remember, I don't remember being in the hospital. I remember waking up afterwards and I guess I'm allergic to anesthesia. So like during the surgery... I woke up, but I don't remember waking up because they put me under immediately afterwards, and um, they had numbed the whole area just in case, you know, something like that was going to happen, but um, they inserted a defib, and a defibrillator is just something that, you know, restarts your heart if it gets to a certain amount of, um, if it gets too high of a heartbeat. I don't know what the word is right now. I'm so tired. Um... But uh, yeah, they jammed one of those into my chest. That was interesting. And that was a pretty crazy ride to handle. Um, recovery sucked. And um, when I woke up from the surgery, I just remember screaming and ripping everything out of my body. All of the tubes, the oxygen, the, the, the IVs. Like I had a feeding tube, I guess. I don't even know, like, <laughs> like what, why they put that in. They, um, maybe they thought I wasn't going to wake up or something crazy, but I ripped it out and, I, like, everything. It was, I was just screaming and screaming, and I, I could feel absolutely everything. And the nurses didn't know what to do, and um, there were no doctors to, you know, sign off on medication for me immediately, so I was screaming and screaming and screaming. And you have to be seen by a doctor when you wake up after surgery to be able to see your family. And I just remember telling the nurse, like, you know, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, I'm scared. And, like, I'm in so much pain. And I feel everything. I feel everything. I can feel it all. And it hurts. And I, I can't handle it. And I'm going to pass out. And she's just, like, she just looks at me and she goes, you know, fuck this hospital. And she, like, goes out, gets my family, orders me medication on her own, on her own rights as a nurse. And um, distributes it to me, like, within, like, 20 minutes which is crazy um and um <laughs> my family comes in and I'm just like I have tears down my face and I'm just like there's like blood all over because I moved and I tore a stitch or two and I was just screaming and my mom's like this is terrifying like that was something I didn't want anyone to go through was to watch me be in so much pain and um go through something so like crazy at 19 you know not that it's the craziest thing that's ever happened to a 19 year old and I'm not you know proclaiming to say that that's what I am or how I lived but it is pretty insane you know a lot of people don't have to deal with that ever um in their life especially that young so I always thought that I was pretty pretty um interesting for having to go through that and especially as a career that I had had being a model and doing photos for you know magazines for products for things like that you know I wasn't famous I wasn't popular in that sense but I did get paid it was a job um and then waking up and not having a job anymore <laughs> because you have this giant thing in your rib cage and these huge scars on your chest and like that's not attractive for promotion according to <clears throat> my manager <laughs> so it made me think I was like what do I want to do with my life you know what do I want to do and um, I hadn't been diagnosed with lupus at this point yet. 
and I was like, what, what, what do I want to do? Like, I'm, so I'm as good as I'm going to get health-wise right now. Like, what do I want to do with my life? And I was just like, I want to help kids that nobody wants to help. And that, with saying that, I mean, like, it's not that nobody wants to help them. It's like, a lot of people don't know how to handle children with um, autism or Down syndrome, kids with disabilities. Like they, they have my heart, <laughs> they have, they have my soul, they have my everything. And um, I, I, at the time, I was working in a school where the kids had disabilities and they weren't treating them correctly, and they were treating them as if they understood what they were doing was was wrong or wasn't okay, or you know all of the things that you would think that a school who does this type of thing would understand that they need to all be treated differently based on their disability and and not differently in this in the sense that they get like a pass off like a pass to do whatever they want but in the sense that they need the conformity to their disability in order to thrive their education properly because they're there to get an education whether or not it seems like they can understand anything and what always made me angry is that the teachers and the, the staff, a lot of the time, did not treat these kids like they were even people. And it made me feel awful. And I tried to keep my job there, and they fired me um, because they didn't want to pay for my surgery, and I was on their insurance. So I had to figure that out. Um, that was pretty crazy. Then I, I didn't have a job for a while. I worked in daycares that I hated. I... Um, just kind of like moped around doing jobs I didn't like and then you know I, I got messaged by one of my friends online and she's like hey there's this job with this Catholic Charities place something or other um this like this this company they 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 do this thing that you like with kids but it's one-on-one -on -one and you get to really be with the kid all the time and communicate with them and help them grow as a child with a disability and like be a part of their life and so on and so forth and you work in their home and you work with their family and I was like I would love to do that sign me the fuck up like that is what I want to do and you know um I was self-hired by a family um to take care of their son and I have never been happier in my entire life to, to do a job that I love so much. I mean, not because I get paid good and it's not because my hours are awesome. It's because like he as a child and he as a, as a child with a disability has the biggest heart and the, the, the most intense imagination and the oldest soul I've ever seen in a child. And... I just appreciate him so much every single day and I got so upset when I was diagnosed with lupus that they told me I couldn't work anymore and I just stood there and I cried and I was like I can't leave him like he is my heart like this little boy he has my whole heart and I love him to the ends of this earth and he is my best <laughs> my best little friend ever and I just know that I, I wouldn't be able to stop taking care of him and I wouldn't be able to not have him in my life anymore because you know once I'm gone they have to get another care provider like they have to get another person they can't not so you know I was able to as of now be able to get a pass right off to take care of this child you know to have a job when they want me on disability and like I don't want to be 20 on a disability like plan like that's awful like that sounds so boring and that sucks for like just me personally because you know 
I don't know really anyone that would prefer to be on disability when they are forced to. Um, I know people that choose to be on disability just for like financial health sakes or whatever, but I've never, I've never imagined, you know, my life to go that route and um, I'm never going to let it go that way either. Like I'm going to work until I die and that's just the truth. Like I, I don't think that uh, I would be able to handle being bored <laughs> and not contributing to this to this earth in, in any way shape or form I would be devastated and um, I saw him I thought it was gonna be the last time I saw him and I just walked up to him and he um, he calls me nanny um, he calls me nanny like um, in Lilo and Stitch he he thinks that I'm her it's really really cute and um, he's oh my god he's so cute and he, he's like nanny 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 I'm like, yes, what's up? What's going on? He's like, he didn't even know that I was sick either. He just knows, like, he sees the devices attached to my body. And, like, he sees that. But he doesn't understand what they are. And he, like, comes up to me and he, like, he's so small. And he just comes up to me and he hugs me. And he goes, I love you so much. Please don't leave. And I'm like, why would you think I'm leaving? He goes, don't leave. Don't leave. Like, he has a problem with repeating. And he just kept repeating it. And I was just like in tears. I was like, I'm never going to leave. Like, I can't. Like, it's just not, it's not who I am. It's not what I want to do, you know. I just want to live every day. Like, I might not live tomorrow. And that is so cliche of me to say. But, I mean, everybody says that, you know. Live every day like it's your last. YOLO. But honestly, like, when you're going to die, I mean... You have to, right? Because if you're not, where are you even living in the first place? But, uh, it's just really mind-blowing to me. <laughs> how that works out. And how, um, how the world just kind of picks people to live the worst life that they possibly could ever live and a lot of them come out living the best life that they ever could have had because of what what is their um invisible disease disability or whatever you want to call it um but uh yeah until uh until i figure more out i guess i'll see you guys next time <laughs>